We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Thunder fans? Happy Valentine's Day, and welcome to the uncontested Mark Keith Morris Emergency Pot. Uh, I mean, the uncontested post-game podcast. Although, I'd much rather talk about the Morris signing than tonight's game, but I'll do a little bit of both here. I am your host tonight, taking over, Taylor Peterson. You probably know me on Twitter as at Taylor underscore P15. But we've gotten some new listeners recently, which is really exciting, and we really appreciate you guys. Um... So if you don't already follow us, please follow us at The Uncontested, and you can follow me at the previously mentioned Twitter handle. So, the thunder broke our hearts this Valentine's Day. Wah, wah, wah. And they dropped a tough one to the Pelicans, uh, 131 to 122. That makes them fall to 37 and 20 on the season. They are officially two games back from Denver, instead of being like only one or a half game back, I believe. Um, Denver's currently in second place. We are still in third. That puts us four games back from the Golden State Warriors, who are currently in first. However, we still remain three games ahead of the fourth fourth place Portland Trailblazers, which is uh, really good. So even with tonight's loss, Thunder still have won 11 of 13. And honestly, they they really have put themselves amongst the Golden State Warriors and the Denver Nuggets. That's kind of the top tier in the West, if you want to call it that. You know, then from there... We kind of have a gap between you know the Portlands, the Houston's, the Jazz, um, basically everybody else from there that are, are still battling for a playoff spot. Um, as you guys know, it's the wild, wild west. But fortunately, during this last stretch of games, like I mentioned, we've won the last eleven of thirteen. We really have kind of distanced ourselves uh, from the rest of the competition. However, moving on to tonight's loss, unfortunately, 
just kind of some notes, pregame notes. Thunder didn't have Jeremy due to a sprained ankle. We haven't had him the past two games, which obviously has really hurt us. We were able to pull off that Portland win. If you guys listen to our podcast, uh, post-game podcast for that one, you guys know why. Um, but we also didn't have Dennis due to Dennis having a baby. And we found out today, per Dennis's Instagram story, is actually Dennis Schroeder Jr., which is just the cutest. And I'm not going to lie, it's a super cute baby. So he, all of us here at The Uncontested really want to wish Dennis and his significant other, I believe it's his fiance, but please don't quote me on that. Um, uh, we want to wish them a congratulations, and we're super happy for Dennis. Obviously, is a great reason to miss a basketball game. And then we also uh, are just hoping and praying that Jeremy gets over this ankle sprain and heals during the All-Star break, which I'm sure he will. But moving on, there was an interesting set that I saw uh, tonight during the game. Uh, Brett Dawson was the first one I saw tweet this out, but I'm sure many of the reporters did. But per the Thunder, this is the Thunder's 18th straight game with 115 or more points. That's actually the second longest such streak in NBA history, and that's insane. The Thunder also tweeted and Instagrammed this out before the game tonight, but before tonight's game, the Thunder led the league in three-point percentages over its last 16 games, which is just insane when you think about where the Thunder started this season. That obviously has a very large part in the previous stat I mentioned where this is their 18th straight game with 115 or more points. They're hitting those three-pointers. That makes sense. Unfortunately, the Thunder defense continued to struggle and really has kind of dwindled as of late. If you guys probably heard us talk about it if you listen to our previous podcast. Another note, you know, Anthony Davis left the game after halftime with a quote-unquote shoulder soreness or shoulder injury or however they, they worded it. But let's be completely honest here. There's just a lot of drama going around this whole AD thing, and uh, apparently he actually left their arena. I saw a post game, so I, I would not be surprised. And this hurts me to say because I have him on my fantasy team. He's been killing it for me. He's he's kept me tied for first place in my fantasy league this season, or in one of them, anyways. Um, but I would not be surprised if Anthony Davis does not play another game for the New Orleans Pelicans. And if the NBA does not just give in to that, um, but that that's just my opinion. We'll see what actually happens. Regardless. The Thunder still couldn't take advantage of that. And that was really due to Drew Holiday and Julius Randle, who just absolutely killed us tonight. And I'll get into that a little bit. But honestly, just it looked tonight like the defense and the effort, obviously outside of Russ and Nerlens, which I also will get into, it looked like the rest of the Thunder were just already on all-star break. And honestly, it's kind of understandable, uh, as frustrating as it was for us to watch as fans. But regardless, I mentioned Russell Westbrook. This guy had a hell of a basketball game tonight. So much so that it reminded me of the 2016-2017 Russell MVP performance. Like, or, or as a, uh, a Russell MVP performance of that season. He passed Gary Payton tonight as he thundered franchise-leading score. Surpa- he surpassed Payton's uh, 18,207 points. And I didn't do the math because when I saw that tweet, I honestly, I wasn't sure how many points he had already had at that point. Um, and I, I just wanted to get this out to you guys. But regardless, just... Take a minute to comprehend. Russell Westbrook is the Thunder and slash Sonics franchise leading scorer. That's just an incredible feat when you consider the the different players that come through here. Obviously, Gary Payton and Kevin Durant are two that come to mind. Um, and then you have guys like Paul George, obviously, who just got here last season, so that probably doesn't count. But uh, that's a huge feat, and it's something that should be absolutely be celebrated. And he did so um, while breaking another record. <laughs> he also continued the NBA streak which he broke uh, against Portland earlier this week, as you guys are probably well aware. But he continued that streak for the most consecutive triple-doubles in the NBA with 11 games. Uh, He scored 44 points 
14 rebounds, and 11 assists. This was his second 40-point game this season, and interesting enough, the other one came against the Suns earlier this season when Paul George was, was sitting out. I forgot for whatever reason it was. He tweaked something. It was a minor deal, but uh, that's actually when Russ scored his other 40-point 40, 40 game. But he did so on 18 of 30 shooting from the field, which is 60%. He is 4 of 4 from the free throw line, which is, I mean, it's awesome that he was perfect from the free throw line, particularly since he struggled so much this season. But he did only get to the line four times, which is kind of strange. So his mid-range was, was, was falling, basically. But he was only 4 of 12 from 3. So that also shows you what I just said. His mid-range was falling, uh, which is good. That's when Russ is at his best, or has been at least in the in, uh, in past seasons. He made some really big plays all game, but I really want to touch on his fourth quarter during the comeback. The Thunder came all the way back down from 17. I believe they were down 17 in the third quarter, and they made a three-point gain in the fourth. But during that stretch, Russ was just incredible. You know, he was at, he was at his best. He was attacking. He was still scoring. He was uh, he was finishing at the rim. He even hit some outside shots. He was finding open teammates still, who unfortunately weren't making their shots, as I'll get into here in a second. But he made some huge blocks down low. There was two that I can remember specifically, and he got some really big steals. Uh, some of those actually came from the blocks that he had. So, I mean, like you said, he really looked like his 2016-2017 MVP self tonight, which is really exciting and, and something to be really optimistic about if you're a Thunder fan. And I, and this is the reason why, because hopefully this helped Russ find his shot again, and he can now play the way he has been, but while finding a balance between tonight and the way he's been playing this entire season, you know, still deferring to teammates, to Paul George, but making the shots that he uh, he's been missing all season essentially, and and being efficient from the floor. If we have that Russ, I mean, whew, we're gonna be tough to beat. However, another guy that really steps his game up tonight was Nerlens Noel. He had a, honestly a monster game for him. Uh, you know, with P-Pat struggling and New Orleans was killing us down low, Billy went with the quote-unquote what I'm calling the Twin Tower lineup to end the first, I know, super original, <laughs> um, to end the first quarter, and then honestly for a lot of the second quarter, and then to also to start the second half. And like I said, this was for a lot of reasons, but mainly the two that stuck out to me were that Patterson continued to struggle, and the Pel- Pelicans' bigs continue to hurt us, you know, from the from the first half with Davis, and even after that with Randall and Okafor. And Okafor has been having a great season. Uh, but regardless, Nerland's ended with 22 points, 13 rebounds, two steals, and he did that on 10 of 16 shooting. You know, he had a double double in the first half, which was huge for us. And this was all with 21 minutes off the bench. Uh, you know, I, I think tonight showed, uh, especially how effective he can be playing alongside Marquise Morris, who we just signed. Uh, in the second unit, which is super exciting. And another thing to be really optimistic about if you're a Thunder fan, you know, I think they could fit really well together. And I think tonight just kind of proved that when uh, when Billy is playing Nerlens and Adams together. But I also think it's something that we could see moving moving forward. You know, it's not something he's going to use a lot, but I feel like this is one of those things that we've seen in the past. Billy has these certain lineups that he doesn't like to use a lot in the regular season. But come playoffs, if it's against the right team and in the right situation, uh, he'll he'll occasionally try it out. This could potentially be one of those things if we see a certain team like this who has some some bigs down low and we need a little extra size, a little extra rebounding, a little extra defense in the post. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Billy pulls his card out again. Unfortunately, the rest of the team outside of Russ and Nerlens did not show up on either end. Uh, there weren't really, there weren't any like Feltons or Burtons who showed up like they did against Portland earlier this week. The Thunder just really shot the ball poorly overall tonight, and mainly from three. 
you know, they shot 50 of 106 overall, which is fine. That's not horrendous by any means. They also shot 12 of 13 from the free throw line, which is great. That's awesome. I wish they were doing this the entire season, if we're being completely honest. But they shot only 10 of 44 against one of the teams, or from three, against one of the teams who gives up some of the most threes in the NBA this season. And, and this is after shooting, like I mentioned earlier, the best from three in the NBA the last 16 games before tonight. So that's obviously not great. Some examples of that are beloved uh, MVPG, and that's not sarcasm. I'd, Paul George has been playing out of his mind, and if for some reason, some crazy reason I had to vote for MVP, Paul George would be it. But MVPG struggled tonight. He was only 3-17 from 3. Um, Ferg was only 2-7, who I also have been really harping on recently. He's been playing great, um, but the past two games he's really struggled from outside. He was only 2-7 tonight from 3. P-Pat, really struggling like I mentioned earlier. 0-4. <laughs> Yikes. And then Russ, who had an incredible game. He was 4-12 from the three-point line tonight. So that really, the, all those combined really hurt us, and there was a couple others sprinkled in there. Uh, regardless, they did not shoot well from three tonight. Also, the Thunder defense was awful. That, Like I mentioned, the effort just wasn't there. The Thunder defense was essentially on all-star break. You know, the Pels shot 54.3% from the field. They played in transition. We, we couldn't stop them, which is something we're typically really good at. Uh, they shot 46.2% from three, and this is all on 35 assists. That's compared to OKC's 27 assists tonight. Let that sink in. Uh, Pelicans had 35, we had 27. That tells you a lot of what you need to know about tonight's game. Thunder only had 31 defensive rebounds compared to the Pels' 38, and they got out-rebounded uh, total 51-48. to 48. So only by three, but the defensive rebounds right there really kind of tell that story. Thunder had 21 fouls to the Pels' 15 fouls, and I'd like to say a lot of those were bad calls, but they weren't. Honestly, like I said, the Thunder was playing lazy defense, and that resulted in a lot more fouls. And like I said, the effort was there towards the end of the fourth quarter during that comeback. But at that point, midway through the fourth, just a little too late. Like I said, uh, I mentioned Paul George struggled. He didn't really shoot well. He ended with 28 points, which is awesome. Uh, I believe seven rebounds, six assists. I'm going to have those backwards. I apologize. I didn't put the abbreviations there in my notes. <laughs> but this was on 11-29 shooting. But you have to give Drew Holiday credit. And I follow, it's like the Birds Rights, I believe, on, um, or no, goodness, I can't remember. Anyways, it's like the Sports Nation's uh, official New Orleans Pelicans fan account on Twitter. And honestly, I, I really have enjoyed following them over the past year and a half or so, season and a half or so. Um, they have some really good points. And the one thing that they've been trying to, like, kind of campaign for this entire season with all the AD drama is Drew Holiday. And we all know how great of a two-way player Drew Holiday is. But defensively, he's been having a great season, and that's something they've really been trying to to kind of drive home um, and try to communicate with all Twitter, NBA Twitter. Um, and I'd like to give him some credit here because I really felt that Drew, who's been locking dudes down all season, um, you know, there's lots of drama around uh, New Orleans right now, obviously with the whole Anthony Davis deal. And PG should obviously be the defense player of the year. I mean, I, I think hands down he's the front runner right now. If he continues this, he, he will be defensive player of the year, and he should be, in my opinion. And I think Gobert should be closely behind him. But with all of that being said, I think Drew absolutely deserves to be in the conversation. And in my opinion, I might put him third. I mean, I'm sure there's guys I'm forgetting, but I feel like Drew has just been great. And I really have watched, uh, you know, pre all this Lakers trade deadline drama with Anthony Davis. I really did watch some of the Pelicans uh, games outside of the Thunder games, and I felt that Drew has been playing really well. But speaking of Drew, 
Him and Julius Randle just absolutely kill us tonight. Drew had 32 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. Meanwhile, Julius Randle, uh, a player I like to call on the Hall of Fame of Thunder Killers, right up there with Shumpert, and you guys know all of them. You know, he, uh, Randle ended up with 33 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. They just killed us. Regardless, you know, all in all, games like tonight happen. You know, you'll see that on my Twitter account. I tweeted some of that stuff out, and I retweeted some of our guys like Jacob. I retweeted uh, Thunder Tie over uh, from Thunderheads. You know, the games like tonight happen. The Pelicans were coming off a 30-point loss to the Magic earlier this week, and with all this AD drama going on, they really just they came out to play, and they had some fire in their hearts, and it showed. Meanwhile, the Thunder were, like, sky high. You know, we had just won 11 and 12 games prior to tonight. They just signed a big free agent. All the fans were excited, but guess what? So were, so were the players. So were the organization. Or so was the organization. So were the coaches, I'm sure. And then we didn't have two key players. And we're playing on the last, one of the last games before the All-Star break. We'll, we'll take this. You know, this is understandable, as frustrating as it is. And as Jacob said in our Slack, if we told you all that the Thunder would, would win two of one of their last three with Jeremy and Dennis out for two of those against Houston, Portland, and New Orleans. Now, granted, I know New Orleans isn't who they were to begin the season, but I assume that we would all take that any day. I know I would have. I know we had a tweet um, here a couple weeks ago about the upcoming seven games for the Thunder, and a lot of you guys predicted essentially what, what ended up happening, what we ended up doing. Um, I think we're all very content right now about the Thunder going into the All-Star break. So now, I've gone a little a little long, but I have got to touch on this. Also, this is going to be our last post-game pod until the, after the All-Star break when we do our big group pod. So it's okay if it goes a little long, I hope. But for the fun stuff, the big elephant in the room, Marquis Morris, informed the Thunder today that he will sign with the Thunder and free agency per Shams of the Athletic. Hashtag Chief Keefe. If you guys use that nickname, please credit the uncontested. I am so excited. There's a GIF right now, or a GIF, sorry, whatever. Um, it's like of the uh, of Chief Keefe during I don't like like the music video, and it's like of him doing the bang signal, and it has like bang going across it. I'm so excited, or across the the GIF, sorry. Um, I am so excited to use that either on our account or me per, my personal account. Every time that Keith hits a three, it's just it's going to be incredible. Anyways, sorry, I wasted a lot of time there. I'm trying to have a little fun with this after a not-so-fun win. <laughs> but just kind of to touch on this signing. Uh, Mark Keith was recently bought out from New Orleans, as you guys probably know. And this is after he is being traded from Washington, who he's been with the last two seasons, I believe. Um, he's kind of gone back and forth between a couple teams. Uh, but for the majority of his career, he was with Phoenix. And so he gets bought out from New Orleans. Per Shams, he had an extensive list, and that's important, extensive list of teams interested in him. And I think kind of the front runners and the, the biggest teams of those were the Thunder, the Rockets, the Nets, the Raptors, and the Lakers. And obviously that's amongst others. But he chose OKC. So for one, I think this really speaks volumes of OKC's culture and their franchise. A big-time free agent chose a quote-unquote small market of all those teams previously mentioned. Now, another thing, assuming Russ and PG recruited him pretty hard, as it was mentioned, they recruited you know Wes Matthews before he signed with the Pacers, and they also recruited Nerlens this offseason. Um, I think that's just so awesome, and that speaks volumes about the culture that not only that OKC is building, but honestly, Paul George and Russ, you know, they're kind of spearheading 
this entire uh, championship run, essentially. You know, I don't want to say we're all of a sudden championship contenders with Golden, right neck to neck with Golden State, but I mean championship run in the sense that these guys are uh, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Stephen Adams, Jeremy Grant, even Dennis Schroeder, if they decide to keep him, are signed long term. We have a core um, for the next two to three years. And so that's our championship run. That's what I mean by that. So I've seen a lot of this on Twitter. Is this the biggest free agent signing outside the obvious one, Paul George? I think arguably so. I would like to just say, though, you have to consider the pre-Thunder version of Melo. (laughs) Remember how excited we were when Melo waived his no-trade clause to come to OKC. That was essentially a free agency move. Um, He had to sign that no-trade clause to go to a team, and he chose OKC... Obviously, the Knicks thought the OKC option was the best, and he said, yeah, that sounds great. I think he had a little communication with Paul George and Russell Westbrook at that point. So I would kind of consider that a free agency signing in a way. I think you have to at least consider that. Now, obviously, that's pre-OKC, pre-Houston Mello, um, and that's something to consider as well. Uh, and But then you have Nerland signing this summer, like I mentioned. You know, that's pretty big. And then, obviously, the Jeremy and the Paul George signings, or the re-signings per se, even though that's not really a word, <laughs> um, this past summer. But I think like outside of that, if you, you think of like the true free agents, as Nick has liked to mention in our Slack and on Twitter, our, our Twitter account today, uh, I think he absolutely is the biggest out of Peepat, Raymond, you know, Derek Fisher, Karam Butler. I think you got to give it to Keith, which is just really exciting. So looking at Markeith's stats for this season, he averaged 11.5 points, 5.1 Warren. 5.1 rebounds, 4.2 three-point attempts, all on uh, 33.3% from three on the season with Washington. He didn't play a game for New Orleans, keep in mind. And then his career averages, however, are 11.8 points per game on 45% field goal percentage overall. That's very efficient. And 33.8% from three, which is decent, especially for a big man. And that's on 2.2 three-point attempts per game. And this is all per basketball reference. I really like using him for the convenience purposes. Um, so what can we expect from Markeith on this Thunder team? He's essentially a six foot ten, two hundred and forty-five pounds. And for comparison, for comparison, really quick, Nick tweeted this out earlier on a Twitter account. Thought it was a great point. So he's six foot ten, two forty-five. Jeremy is six foot nine, two twenty. So he's a bigger dude than Jeremy. Um, and he's essentially a power forward, small small ball center who can space the floor with his shooting, can still post up, and has a good post game. But then defensively, you know, obviously we're a defensive-minded team first. That's when we're our best. While he isn't like a lockdown defender, he's gritty, he's tough, he gives effort, and he by no means is like a defensive liability, as Nick mentioned to me earlier when we were talking. Now, one thing to mention, you know, he's been out with neck issue for the past couple weeks prior to being traded. However, per Chris Haynes, he has been cleared to play by his doctor, and he should be fined. And this was communicated all by his agent, Rich Paul. Now, it's kind of funny because who else does Rich Paul represent? Well, LeBron and AD. And Rich has kind of been at the center of that whole drama pre-trade deadline. But it's okay because he also represents uh, Terrence Ferguson and Nerlens Noel as well, which I didn't realize until today, which is kind of interesting. So the next question, I'm sure a lot of you are wondering, so how does Morris fit with this team? Well, first, let's talk about his on-court fit. You know, I, I don't want to say the most important aspect, but obviously a very important aspect. Um, while the style of play, like, fits, I think fits perfectly, I originally was, like, a little curious how his minutes and whose minutes he was going to get, you know, how many minutes, etc. However, 
One thing I found really interesting that Shams also tweeted out was like a third follow-up tweet. He tweeted that Markeith chose OKC and his agent chose OKC knowing that he is stated to play a significant role in the OKC front court, and Morris felt that OKC represented his best fit right now. And then also, after hearing that, you know, Billy benched Peepat for Nerland tonight, and as as Patterson has struggled again after a brief kind of hot streak that he had here over the past couple of games, it's become pretty obvious, I think now, after tonight and after watching tonight's game, that Keith will take a lot of Peepat's minutes, and then some, honestly, you know, I could see him, not that he's a shooting guard, but I could see him kind of dipping into those Nader minutes, those Diallo minutes, and Billy, you know, giving um, maybe Paul George or Russ or Ferg or some guys like that, like maybe a couple more minutes and spraying that out evenly. So that way Keith can kind of eat into those Nader, those Diallo, those uh, Deontay Burton minutes. As much as we love Deontay and Diallo, I think Keith will get some of those minutes and eventually maybe pretty quickly, honestly, uh, completely swallow up those those Patterson minutes. So off the court, I know there's a couple questions probably about that. He's definitely another guy who's kind of outside the norm in terms of the players that Thunder and Presti typically target. But so was Dion, so was Enos Cantor, so was Nerlens, and so is Dennis Schroeder, who all did great or have done great and have loved it here in OKC. And then also another point I really want to make um, you know, the majority of Keith's locker room issues stem from his time in Phoenix. And this is where they traded his brother after, after saying they win it and after some issues like with the front office. Well, Preston and the Thunder, they're, they're incredibly smart. They always do their due diligence. They're a great front office. And honestly, I think Keith is just one of those guys who just gives it his all out on the court and just wants to win. So I think he'll do fine. And I think he'll love it here in a positive, positive culture and positive environment. Now, I'm not saying he's going to re-sign next year, which is nearly impossible with the Thunder's tax implications and their whole uh, their whole salary currently, you know, right now. But uh, regardless, I think this will be a positive experience. I at least predict it to be a positive experience from here on to the end of the season. I think this really sets the Thunder up, raises their ceiling for an, an, like a low-risk, high-reward type of situation for a post-game stretch and post-game run. Honestly, if this plays out the way all of us Thunder fans are hoping it will, I think this could cement us in the solid like second place in the West uh, all the way to the conference finals where we're competing with Golden State. Now, we all probably know how that will end, but regardless, I feel really optimistic about this, and I'm excited. So just one final point I wanted to make here before I, I wrap this bad boy up. I know it's been a little longer, long, and I apologize for a uh, post-game podcast, but Andrew Schlecht brought up a really good point in a tweet earlier today after all this kind of went down. I wanted to mention it. You have to keep in mind, Pressy replaced Carmelo Anthony, Cal Singler, Josh Hustis, Dakari Johnson, Corey Brewer, and Nick Collison. Now, Collison retired, and we love him, and I can't wait to retire his jersey. But he replaced all those guys with Deontay Burton, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Hamadou Diallo, Nerlens Noel, now Mark Keith Morris, and Nader. I mean, that's pretty incredible when you think about it. There's essentially, let's count here. One, two, three, four of those uh, six guys I mentioned previously who weren't even seeing the floor last season, he replaced with another six guys that could see the, have seen the floor this season and could contribute. You know, we, we honestly have no idea, like, if Nader will contribute in the postseason. He probably won't, but that doesn't mean he won't. You know, and he's contributed some this season. 
Six of those guys can play on a basketball floor, and that's incredible what Presley has done, particularly when you take into consideration what Presley has done in the post-KD era where they lost KD for nothing. And Presley we trust, scared money don't make done. So looking ahead, finally, <laughs> the All-Star break begins. Well, essentially it begins now, after this past game. Hami will be in the slam dunk competition on Saturday at 7 Central Time, and PG and Russ will be in the All-Star game on Sunday. Here at The Uncontested, we will cover and live tweet, both from our, our, our Twitter account, and then we will have a group pod Sunday night, and hopefully I'm going to have a special guest. I'm going to reach out to him and try to communicate with him tomorrow and get that set up. Hopefully we'll have a guest for that Sunday, the Sunday podcast where we plan to kind of recap All-Star break, touch a little bit on this uh, pre-All-Star break season of the Thunders, and then look ahead to this last stretch of the season before the postseason. So thank you guys again for following along. I know I've gone a little, little long tonight, uh, but there was a lot to cover. So stay tuned. And until we talk to you guys next, Thunder Up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.